Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sycamore. With me is Benjamin Solak on what has to be one of the most highly anticipated episodes of the 2021 draft cycle. We are talking quarterbacks. We're talking about our final scouting reports, film notes, everything we can give you on this 2021 quarterback class. And of course, we're going to rank them one through five at the end of the podcast. We'll actually probably do it as the podcast goes on, but it's not a big mystery of who the five are. So I don't think it's too big of a deal. Before we go any further, have to remind the good people that This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the car parts you will ever need over at rockauto.com. Ben, it's the big day, man. This is it. We purposefully went with this order so we could end with this position. And I think from the time that we started our final ranking series, a lot of interesting stuff has happened. Mac Jones has been vaulted not just into the first round, but up into the top 15, top 10, top 5 We've had a couple of trades for what we believe to be quarterbacks and things revolving around quarterbacks as well. And I think all of that is because this is an extremely exciting class. But before we get to the quarterbacks, how are you, my friend? Everything is delicious. Uh, The people have been wondering. Mm -hmm. No one has told them. Yes. I'm like, Ben, Trevor. Is it Ian Book? Is it Felipe Franks? Who's the best quarterback? (laughs) Don't you say that name to me. They said, Ben, Trevor Lawrence, there's no way he's good, right? His entire office was RPOs. He said, Ben, <laughs> Mac Jones, he's the best athlete in the class, isn't he? Do not worry. We are here to reveal all on a quarterback class that has received none, no attention whatsoever <laughs> up to this point. Listen, I was told that Mac Jones, his NFL comp is Cam Newton. That's why the Panthers are very interested in him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's why he's going to wear number one, actually. They've already set the jersey aside off for him. It's an homage. Can you a- imagine yeah. if it was just like Cam's exact getup? Like number one, all the wristbands, the the ankle tape, the certain high ankle shoes, the visor. Like it was literally exactly what Cam wore. It was just Mac Jones now doing it for the Panthers. Uh, why wouldn't it? Similar degrees of 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 of, of swag and of of panache in both uh, Cam Newton, Heisman winner, and Mac Jones, not Heisman winner. Was he a Heisman finalist? Heisman finalist, right? Yeah, he was sitting there next to Devonte Smith, just in the same room, just like I'm here for you, buddy, because everybody knows this is not me. Because <laughs> wasn't it? Wasn't the final three Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Devonte Smith? Right, I believe. Like, was there a ranking? I don't know if there was a ranking. Well, I those are the three guys that were there. Like, the vote-getters. Uh, Trask was also there. Come on, now. It's your boy. Well, all right. Well, I mean, I guess we'll talk about Kyle Trask <laughs> as well at some point in this podcast. It's going to be a little bit different. We're not going to have superlatives for this. It's really going to be much more of an open conversation. Ben and I are going to talk about the guys that we really like at the top of this class, the guys that are getting a lot of hype. And we're going to talk about what we love about them, maybe what makes them higher on our list, and then some teams that they could go to, both where we think they might go and where we would take them if these spots are different. So, but I feel like we haven't 
given the guys at the top of each position a lot of airtime, if you will. We've been focusing on the players in the middle of the class, you know, who might be ranked seven, six, five, four, three in these different positions. And then we get to two and one and we kind of just go like, yeah, I mean, you know, Penny Sewell is number one or yeah, I mean, Najee Harris is number one. And so we, we just don't give him a lot of FaceTime. I think Trevor Lawrence deserves some FaceTime here because he's been talked about for a long time, but let's get out some words on what we think about Trevor Lawrence and just how good he can be. Uh, so Lawrence is as build, right? Uh, Best quarterback prospect since luck, probably. Uh, to be his height, to have his arm talent, release speed, uh, to have his uh, pure speed as a runner, to have his accuracy, and to have his velocity, to have his field vision, uh, his decision-making, his risk-averse style of play, uh, he is all of that in a bag of chips. He is exactly that uh, which was promised. Now, being the best quarterback prospect since luck, which I believe him to be, does not mean that he is uh, perfect. And so we should say uh, of Lawrence, you know, if you go and you check out the, uh, the, you know, the heat maps on where Trevor Lawrence threw the football in college, he was thrown behind the line of scrimmage a lot more than the average quarterback. Uh, if you look at RPO amounts, he was thrown RPOs, screens, a lot more than the average quarterback. Uh, this is a function of the Clemson offense. Does not mean Lawrence is incapable of executing a West Coast style offense in, in in the mold of Justin Fields, but it means this is how Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott wanted to go. And so when we project Lawrence to the league, mm-hmm. he is the top quarterback prospect because he feels unbelievably safe. His floor is through the roof, but the ceiling the, is the roof. The ceiling is the floor, which is the roof. With that said, there is more projection to an NFL true like pro-style offense. He's presumably going to go play under Daryl Bevel in Jacksonville. That is a not RPO offense. That is mm-hmm. not a spread and shred, quick screens, RPOs, package play offense. That's not how that's going to go. Uh, there is a, a leap there. There's going to be a, a change in his process and a change in the way that he reads the field. And at times, you'll see him when he's reading the field, just retreat in the pocket. You know, not not leave his feet steady, but just kind of keep on crow hopping back, crow hopping back. He'll throw off his back foot at times, and that'll get him in trouble accuracy wise. It'll get him in trouble uh, when he throws some contested balls and jump balls, and then on the sideline. But it's very regular and standard stuff. It's nothing that's debilitating. It's nothing that we should expect to limit him uh, in the league. Uh, if anything. What will limit him will be the lofty expectations that he has. Yes, I uh, agree. You know, uh, he, I, I do not think it's outside the realm of possibility that he like comes in and struggles in his first eight games, uh, you know, across the course of them, uh, because it's going to be a pretty significant level of competition adjustment. ACC isn't the best conference in the world. Wow. Uh, and it's going to be a pretty significant scheme adjustment, assuming hands up in Jacksonville. That, you know, the, oh, oh man, success in the league is conditional on a lot of factors, and one of them is confidence. Uh, and I think Lawrence is going to experience a obstacle, a rough patch of the road, mm-hmm. unlike he's experienced at all in his college career. Even the rough play of 2019 uh, was, you know, they were still winning by multiple scores. Like, that's not going to be what happens in Jacksonville. Sure. So I, I think that that is a, is a concern, and I think that, you know, some of the easy habits that he's developed in that offense will require ironing out, which takes time. With that said, 
uh, I believe the floor is what makes him such a good prospect. You take him at 1-1 and you don't lose a wink of sleep because for him to be as talented and as immediately impactful as he was with such little experience, to be so clearly transcendent indicates that this is a special player who, regardless of context, will be able to succeed in the NFL because he has the blend that makes the ideal quarterback prospect. So Lawrence, as build, very exciting guy. Yeah, I mean, you talked about how he had a lot of easy throws, you know, whether it be things off of RPOs or passes behind the line of scrimmage with screens. Mike Renner from PFF, he, he tweeted out a couple of days ago the percentage of total passing yards that the top five quarterbacks that we're going to discuss here in the draft had from RPOs and screens. And Trevor Lawrence is by far number one with 27%. Almost a third of his total passing yards came from dumping it off to some of these great athletes and just letting them run with it. And we often don't think of that because we think of Trevor Lawrence as this transcendent deep down the field passer. And that just was not the offense that he operated. Now, I would tell you what makes Trevor Lawrence such a great prospect is not only his low floor, but I guess to expand on that a little bit, when he low is... Low floor? Sorry, sorry. High floor. <laughs> sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Didn't... I, was very, I was very scared. No, we're talking about golf, you know? Like low, it's, you right. know, it's, it's like it's better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do the math. When you see him open it up and pass it deep down the field, a lot of these throws that he is making... He's like back shoulder balls, deep down the sideline, over the middle, across the field. Like the natural accuracy that he has on these passes is crazy. And I think we've been seeing him for the last couple of years. And that's always what has got me so excited about Trevor Lawrence. Isn't the current scheme that he is in. It's to watch those kinds of throws and go, okay, yeah, you're going to obviously have a lot of things who are like, okay, the stats that he gains are from easy throws, no doubt about it. But I don't worry about that because I've seen him do the tougher stuff in almost less rhythm, less often, less practiced. He just doesn't do it as much. And when he's asked to do it, I feel like he does it at a level that is so pinpoint naturally above everybody else. I would agree with you that there's a good chance that Lawrence struggles early on in his career because of, you know, certainly, I I don't know about the competition level jump, but the scheme level jump and demanding that he attempts these passes that are going to be have that are going to have higher difficulty to them. I think that that's important. But what we need to remember about Trevor Lawrence is it's the same thing that you brought up during the summer. When a guy's not draft eligible, you think he's a god. You right, only focus. You only focus on the good plays that you have seen when they have been a redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore, whatever it is. Their first two years in college football, and you go, this guy is perfect. He's unbelievable, and it's because you've only seen the good. And then what we did in summer scouting is we took a look at Trevor Lawrence, and we went, yeah, he's good. He ain't perfect, but 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 he's good. But we, we were able to see some of the flaws in his game, and so I am worried for Trevor Lawrence simply because of what you said to open up the podcast. He was billed as the next Andrew Luck. He was billed as the next greatest thing. There is no chance that he will ever be bad. He won't struggle, not once, not one moment. We'll never have one doubt. And guess what? That's not how NFL careers go. That's just not. And so Trevor Lawrence could struggle in his first year, maybe even going into his second year. 
But you've got to be okay with that. You've got to be patient here because the flashes of what you see, like you said, a player of this size who has the mobility he does, who can read the field the way that he does, who has as much confidence as his arm, as natural as his accuracy is, as well as he can throw it deep down the field, all of these things that go into him as a prospect, you will get more and more of that the longer he is your starter. I fully believe that. Do I think it's a Super Bowl and a Pro Bowl and an All-Pro bid in year one? No, I don't. But I'm talking about a three, four, five-year projection, second contract projection to talking about this guy being one of the best in the NFL. And I think the ceiling is absolutely there for him, just like having a high floor is for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I think, right, to the to the point of like, you know, we walk into the season and he's unimpeachable and there's nothing wrong with him. And then by the time we get to the end of the season, it turns out that there are like several teams in the league who prefer Zach Wilson. It's like, yeah, that's how this goes. Like even in media, I think if you said last year, Justin Fields is a more accurate quarterback than Trevor Lawrence, people would have like attacked you. Cause I said, like, I was like, I think Justin Fields is in the same tier as Trevor Lawrence. I was doing the whole Justin Fields might be QB one thing for a while. Uh, people did not like this. Now, at this point, with the amount of charting that's been done at, at like PFF and so what I've done, Derek Klassen does for Roto World, it's generally accepted that like Fields is right up there with Lawrence in terms of accuracy, right? That's what the process does. Is it it pulls back the curtain for us, and that's why it's important. Yep, no doubt about it. So I, Lawrence is both of our QB ones, correct? Yeah, Lawrence is my QB one. Who is your QB two? My QB two is Justin Fields. Ah, and, uh, okay. Is what's who is yours? Mine is Zach Wilson. Um, okay. and it's 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 pretty easily Zach Wilson for me. But I mean, I say pretty easily, and that's actually not fair to Justin Fields because I actually really love Justin Fields. I've just I watched both of them, I rewatched both of them, and I both times came away with Zach Wilson as my QB two, still although loving Fields. So let's get into Fields. Let's have the Fields conversation here. Yeah, uh it it, it isn't close to me. Uh Fields is comfortably my QB2. Fields is closer to Lawrence than my QB3 is to Fields. Uh, The concerns with Justin Fields are as follows. And I will share what the concerns are, in my opinion. And I'll also share how some of the more public concerns work in with these concerns. Uh, We'll go and it'll make sense. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very often said that Justin Fields is a poor processor. I don't think this is true. Uh, number one, you don't process the field on every snap. I would no. argue the college level, especially at high-level teams, you don't process the field on a majority of the snaps. <laughs> right. There's right. no need to. right? And when we say process the field, I mean uh, post-snap. Pre-snap, yes. Post-snap, no. Right. And so, you know— uh, Anytime Ohio State needed a shot in the arm, like they were, you know, falling behind or the passing game was dying a little bit, they'd run, they'd run, they'd go shotgun, they'd run a, a sprint out action, and they'd have Chris Olave run just a, a a vertical third choice route, either quick stop or a deep comeback or whatever, and they would have Fields sprinting full force at Chris Olave, like in his direction, <laughs> and like throw him right, you know what I mean? And they would do it all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't require. Any field processing from the quarterback besides I have to read the corner the same way that the wide receiver is. It's not what we would call, you know, getting beyond your first read or going through your progressions. It's right. just I'm going to throw this guy right and this guy open no matter what happens. That is simple and effective offense. Fields gave the quote at his pro day of like, yeah, I threw it to my first read a lot because I play for Ohio State. Right. Wide right. receivers are Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. You may have heard of them. And not, even, not, and not even that, yeah. but like Ohio State has over the last couple of years proven that they've understood how to move right. the ball on offense at the college level. Mm-hmm. 
You know, and it's and just like, why, th- th- of course he's going right. to trust the offense because he's got some of the best athletes in the world running the easiest routes in the world. Yes, yeah, first right. reads open. And so, right, this is a classic example of uh, where we miss the forest for the trees. Uh, NFL teams have charted Justin Fields as only getting beyond his first read seven times. This was a, a sourced quote that went around. If they got to the national championship and he only threw beyond his first read seven times, he's the greatest quarterback alive. That's amazing. That's the that like that's such cognitive dissonance. I do not care how often he gets beyond his first read. If he is regularly putting out not only some of the best quarterbacking film, but also some of the best just pure production. You're telling me this guy doesn't go beyond his first read and he is still moving the ball down the field all the time? That's like, you're handicapping yourself when he's doing this. You know what I mean? So this is missing the forest for the trees. Uh, Justin Fields chooses where the ball goes. Five yards down the field on a, on a three-step drop, ball's exactly where it's supposed to be. Christian Barmore bearing down his throat, throwing a pole shot to Jeremy Ruckert against Alabama in the national championship, 30 yards down the field with tight man coverage. Ball ball, ball goes exactly where he chose it was supposed to go. Uh, and so Fields is a, a poor processor. He isn't. He will stay on his first read because he believes, and in general, rightfully so, that he is strong enough and accurate enough to pretty much make any receiver right against most coverages. At times, that burned him. Tough to go into Alabama game with that mindset and be successful. They tried it. Fields had one of the best games Alabama defense allowed all season. But you would have liked to have seen him maybe get to his check down more in that game. Against Northwestern, when there was no Alave, uh, when the offensive line had injuries, and I think it was COVID unavailabilities in the, on the interior, uh, Northwestern was able to drop seven, drop eight. And now all of a sudden you're trying to make a very good defense that plays quality zone rallies and tackles wrong every single time instead of just taking your checkdowns. Now, now you're playing into their hands a little bit. And so he is arrogant. And this is more so play style than it is a, a legitimate processing concern. That to me is number one. Number two, uh, Justin Fields has issues managing the pocket. He does. It's because he's arrogant. It's because of a play style and not because of any issue. You see him bounce and succeed to manage the pocket many times when you watch his film. You also see him see oncoming linebackers and safeties and go, they're small. (laughs) And I'm going to either have them bounce off of me or I'm going to explode out of this pocket. You put on the Rutgers film and Rutgers got free rushers about 10 times. Ideal defensive coordinator game plan. Oh man, on paper, that looks sick. They couldn't lay a finger on him. Because he's far too quick and he's far too big. Uh, that works against Rutgers. So it doesn't work as well against Indiana. That's a really effective blitzing team that throws six guys at you and is going to be able to, to, to cover your hot routes, good film study, good approach. He's going to be able to make you hold onto that ball a little bit longer, and they're going to succeed in taking you down. So there is an a, a arrogance to how Justin Fields plays mm. that is the result of being a five-star recruit and a stunning talent. He will hit the league, and that will uh, uh, stumble him. It will hurt him. He will hold the ball for too long. He will invite pressure and stand behind it too long. He will force throws to his first read. Mm-hmm. It is unbelievably common for rookie quarterbacks. It happened. It, Justin Herbert did it all season long. He also won Rookie of the Year. Uh, this is not something that is new. It is not something that is 
often debilitating. It is something that is regularly overcome. It is something that I anticipate he were overcome it. Oh, and by the way, he's 230 pounds. He runs a 4-4, and he can put the ball in the bucket 60 yards down the field. So he's more naturally talented than half of these guys anyway. Uh, I, I am... Uh, stunned by his ability and confident in his success in the NFL. The talk of Fields is very strange because when people talk about Trevor Lawrence and and Zach Wilson and even to a lesser extent Trey Lance and Mac Jones, they talk about these players as if they have so much more room to grow. They talk about them and their strengths and weaknesses and the things that they don't do well right now and the things that they can get better at in future. I just it doesn't seem like now I got to say this too. the big pushback here on Justin Fields isn't really from the it's not really from the media. It's from the relays of what the media might be telling us the NFL believes, because if you ask a lot of people who are in the media, they tell you that Justin Fields is a top 10 player in this class and potential franchise QB, as would I. But it seems like we're hearing that there's a little bit of pushback from the NFL side of things. And I, I say all that to say that it just doesn't seem like if these things are true, the NFL is allowing Justin Fields to have flaws as a second-year starter, former transfer player in college. And I just don't really understand that because if you watch his early stuff in 2020, you know, if you watch the Penn State game or the Nebraska game or the Rutgers game, okay, you watch these games— you see a guy, and my biggest criticism of Fields right now, it has nothing to do with him reading progressions. Go watch the final games of the year, and, and, and you will have absolutely no worries about his progressions because he got more confident, and he got more comfortable with it, and then he showed you exactly how he can do it. So I'm not worried about that at all whatsoever. The thing that I watched was kind of at the beginning of the year and a little bit towards the end of the year, but he was a little bit more loose in this. I just felt like he was a little slow once he correctly realized where he wanted the ball to go, getting that ball out of his hand and to the target. Not to say the velocity on the throw once it left his hand was right. bad he has, because he has it's a not. slow release process. Right. It's it's just everything seems a little bit slow, whether it's you know the release process of his technique and how he's exactly stepping up from the throw. I brought up the early games in, in the early parts of the season because it felt a bit mechanical. You could tell that, okay, here's a here's a seven-yard out route that I'm going to hit Garrett Wilson on. You see him almost like the wheels turn in his brain, and he goes, okay, foot plant, front foot, balls back, up by the ear hole. Now it goes out, flick the flick the wrist, thumb in the thumb in the other pocket. Like he th- he literally like thinks about all of these things in steps and you're seeing this and it slows down his ability get to get the ball from his hand to the target when he needs to. And that showed up a handful of times as the game continued to speed up and it was troublesome for him. And I think when people see him have a little bit slower of a process to throw the ball, they go like, "Oh, okay, like he's late to things." And he's late to things, but you got to why he's late to things because then if you go at the end of the season you start watching the Big Ten championship game and the college football playoff games like it's different it's more confident and it brought up the second year starter thing because he is it's his second year as a starter in Ohio State and he played really well he gave he he threw the ball to what the offense gave him in his first year and this year he was trying to be a little bit different he was trying to take a little bit more of the load on his shoulders and at the beginning of the year he was a little bit slower with it because he was processing things differently and he was looking a little bit too mechanical as the year went on he relaxed a little bit you saw a better QB how in the world are we not taking those games at the end of the year with more weight than at the beginning of the year this is not the college basketball selection committee where we where we grade 
games that we have played earlier in the year the same as we do at the end of the year. It's called growth. It's called getting better. I'm loving this stray that the college basketball committee is catching right now. This is sick. And I mean, like, that's, to me, that was what, that's, that is the thing with Justin Fields. I have no doubts about any part of his physical ability, both with his legs or his arm. The kid is tough as nails. He has clearly gotten better over the last two years. The progressions thing, man, if you watch those games at the end of the year, you have full confidence in that. The biggest area for me of concern with Justin Fields is the fact that it does take him a little bit longer than it should for him to see exactly what he needs to see and he often sees it correctly and then for the ball to leave his hand as competition ramps up because the Big Ten let's face it was not really a competition for for Ohio State basically the entire season or both seasons that he played you know Justin Fields will come into the draft with the most throws against top 50 I think it's top 50 ranked defenses in the FBS of any quarterback prospect in the last 10 years just fun fact just fun fact still don't love the big 10 don't know what to tell you he (laughs) will he will have with with that as his concern with a little bit of speed and how he executes his throws as a concern and then the nfl speed just being even faster than that i think there's a chance that we see a little bit of struggles with fields but that doesn't bring his ceiling any lower and I think that was the big takeaway for me. As I was hearing a lot of people give their critis- their critiques of Fields and, you know, oh, like he's dropping, he's going to go, go to A to the Panthers or he's going to go in the middle of the first round, whatever. to the Eagles. I mean, like, yeah. I don't, yeah, first year you, you wish, but I don't really understand that because for as much as I think that he does struggle with this and he needs to get better at it, that does not make his ceiling any less. And when, the just going back to my first point there, it just seems like we're talking about Justin Fields in a different light than we are these other quarterbacks. And I just 100% it, agree. We need with that. Like, I don't understand where we're coming from there. And that's that's something that I can't get behind. So that's my that's my thoughts on Justin Fields, who I absolutely have as a potential franchise QB ceiling. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think it's a very good point. It's like, what uh, what about how he plays has necessitated this discourse where it's like, oh, man, like. Look at how he's just staring at one route. Like, have, has anybody watched Mac Jones yet? Because that's all that Mac has to do in that entire offense. That's all uh, Lawrence does at Clemson. That's all he has to do. Oh, this is great. These guys, they're so pro-ready. Uh, I don't know. They, they don't have to move beyond their first read nearly as much as Fields does. Uh, I, I have a... Um, a tweet that's out somewhere that says like so much of the Zach Wilson hype is aesthetic-based, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a second. But I think it's like also, you know, the the... the Converse is true. Like so much of the Justin Fields concern is aesthetic base where you're right. Like he just has a long release. Like he just has a big muscle muscular body and he likes to hitch into his throws and he absolutely likes to see it before he throws it. He doesn't want to throw the anticipation. He usually right. Right. So he'll just sit on it and be like, all right, yep. Yeah, yeah, and, and he, and it. he, and he will probably struggle early because of that. He will still also have his wow plays that I think he'll give you in his rookie year, but you really have to throw with anticipation in the NFL. And I think that he can do it. He just doesn't do it as much right now because look, he, he didn't have to at Ohio state. That doesn't mean he can't. He clearly got better as a quarterback. He clearly saw the field way better post snap at the end of the year, which is the closest thing that we're going to see to an NFL game for him. So man, I, I just think that the, when I heard the when I heard the progressions thing, I knew that we were just going to start making crap up with Justin Fields. Like we're, you're like you're just right. make you're you're making it what up. it is. You're just yeah. making it up. It's just so. not real. We all right. We got other quarterbacks that we got to get to, but I wanted to make sure that we got those two guys right off the bat because we had some 
takes that I knew we had to get off. We got much more takes on the quarterback class. Zach Wilson, uh, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, they're all coming up. But we got a couple of we got to get to. We got to tell you guys about rockauto.com. Told you about them at the beginning of the podcast, but they've been serving auto parts to customers online for over 20 years. They got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, whatever you're looking for. They've got you. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com, always reliably low, and the same for professionals as it is do-it-yourselfers. So why would you spend more uh, at, at, at another place? Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the car, the car, uh, all the parts they have available for your car or truck. Right locked on NFL Draft uh, in the little how did you hear about us section so they know that we sent you over there. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need all over at rockauto.com. We're coming towards the end. We've been telling you guys about BuiltBar.com. It's the best tasting protein bars on the planet, but now it's time to find out who is the king, who is royalty of the Built Bar protein bars in Built Bar's madness. Go over to BuiltBar.com or to at bar underscore built on Twitter to see what the final matchups are going to be in our little protein bar tournament we have going on there. Also, remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15. Get 15% off your next order over at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who is going to be crowned champion of protein bars. We got takes on all the rest of the quarterbacks coming up next. Get all the sports news that you need just under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski as he updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Audacity app or wherever you get your podcasts. You've got to talk about Zach Wilson next, right? Or unless you just want to get straight to the Mac no, Jones talk. He's, he's, he's your two, so let's go to him. <sighs> I love Zach Wilson, man. He's just uh, the the confidence that he plays with, the lightning quick release, how he plays outside his structure, the weapon he could be with his legs, how he sees the field, how he makes things out of nothing. I mean, he just brings so much of what you love about the modern NFL to the NFL. I mean, he's got a lightning quick release. He's got his good zip behind it. Um, he's, he's such a confident player. I feel like he's always keeping his eyes downfield. He's looking for the biggest play possible. I think he's got great accuracy when he's throwing the fastball. And... I think he's got some accuracy on the touch passes, although I think that that's something he's got to work with a little bit. Um, Hangs in the pocket a little bit too long. I think he's got a little too much confidence there, but the superior offensive line that he had at at BYU really helped him there. That's something I think that he might need work on, is that with him sitting behind BYU's offense, I feel like he never really had to accelerate or, I'll say, hone in on his internal clock, if you will. And that's probably just not going to be the case in the NFL, especially if he goes to the New York Jets. And so that's the biggest area for me. I think he managed a pocket well at BYU, but BYU gave him some pretty great pockets to, to go behind. And so he's going to have to, I think, use that mobility that ability to play outside of structure a lot if he goes to uh, if he ends up going to the New York Jets, which we think is going to happen. So, you know, people bring up Mahomes when they talk about any guy who comes outside of structure. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and compare anybody to Mahomes because that's just not fair to the prospect. Well, but coward. he is a yeah. Zach Wilson comp, uh, Patrick Mahomes, real real a uh, real original. Yeah. Like uh, like a better Patrick Mahomes, like a quicker. Yeah, I think. Like, yeah, yeah, I'd yeah, say yeah, yeah, you know, like yeah, he you know, you yeah, see, yeah. About? he's yeah. he's like Mahomes. But better, kind of like in the same way that like Mac Jones is like Tom Brady, but he's just you yeah. know like better. It's like if you crossed Mahomes with Brady, I feel like is how you get Wilson. Um, I think that Wilson is just somebody that clearly just it's he he makes players, coaches, everything gravitate towards him, and I think it's because he plays the position with so much confidence and so much skill. It's not just the confidence thing that's that's kind of 
I, at least I don't believe it's not an illusion. I don't think it's a trick. I don't think he's fooling illusion. us into right. I don't think he's he's fooling us into believing in him. I think he great. He brings a lot of great ability, um, as well as a good head on his shoulders with all of that. And so I think that it's real faith that I have in him here and what I've seen with him on film. Yeah. So Wilson is my quarterback three. Uh, I would love to have Trey Lance at three. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I I am enamored with Trey Lance. Oh man, Trey is just the best quarterback in the world to not have to draft and just watch and be like, I'm the biggest fan of you. I hope you do great, buddy. But like, you know, if you had to like draft him and and oh, but yeah, no, one year of FCS play, I'm confident in this. Like, that's a nightmare. But just here in my desk chair, like, oh, Trey Lance, I love him. Uh, because of that, because of the difficulty of having, you know, we talk about degrees of confidence. How certain can I be that my evaluation on Lance is good? Uh, I have I have Wilson above him at three. Wilson and Lance is is, is a very close tier to me. Uh, like I said, I think they're a clear tier down from Fields and from Lawrence. Uh, Wilson has the uh, you said the accuracy with the fastball. I agree. Uh, when he throws with some of that zip, I think that the 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 speed of which his arm comes through and the way in which uh, his base does not affect his velocity is nuts, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, Wilson will three-step and hitch into a fastball on deep outside, come back deep outside out, and that thing is, is flying. Then he'll throw it, like, on the move with no feet in the ground, and it'll also scream. And it's like, that's not regular. You shouldn't be able to do that. Uh, so that that sort of arm talent is, is pretty nifty. Uh, it's, it, it's informative how he plays his game. The deep ball can die on him. And like you said, when he tries to throw with touch, that'll die on him too. So he has arm talent and he has velocity. To me, he does not have every throw in his quiver the way that Lawrence does, uh, which uh, comparing guys arm to Trevor Lawrence is not fair. But people talk about Wilson like he's a premier arm. I don't think he's even the premier arm in this class. Uh, so that that's there for me. When we talk about touch, uh, we're usually talking about middle of the field throws, layered throws in front of the safeties behind the linebackers. Wilson avoids the middle of the field, doesn't want to throw it. Uh, not similar to Lawrence who is often not given the middle of the field through the way the offense is built. Uh, BYU will try to avoid the middle of the field with, with Wilson, right? And they'll give him those, those deep outside looks, right? And they'll run the wide zone play action. But instead of running routes in behind those linebackers, typically where you'd see those routes go, mm-hmm. they'll just run them deep outside and let him just use his zip to go get out there. And why not? It's one-on-one and, and that's free access and it's great. It's free um, real estate. Yeah. The, the, when they give him middle of the field stuff, he will double clutch it. Uh, he'll hitch into it and, and, uh, with a little bit of uncertainty, and he wants to see it before he shreds it. Not uncommon. Not a problem. Very regular thing we have to deal with with college quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Worthy of note, especially if he's going to be in New York in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Shanahan wants to throw in the middle of the field. Shanahan offense wants to move those linebackers with wide zone action and then throw behind him. Right now, Wilson ran that offense, and they moved those linebackers, and then he would throw it to the outside. Uh, and so they, again, like I think that's a little bit of a function of just the advantages of college. It's not to say he can't do it. It's to say that he does not want to throw in the middle of the field. And that right. matters a little bit. So I don't think his arm is what's built. And so I don't think he has all the regions of the field the way you'd expect for a premier arm talent as fields does. And as Lawrence does. So that takes the edge off of Wilson for me. The moxie remains. The field vision and the instincts remain. He is the best creator outside of this pocket in the class, bar none. Uh, 
the tuck and run ability remains. I even think that the concerns with him under pressure managing the pocket are a little bit overblown because, like, yeah, his pockets were great, and so that's a thing. He had, but like, also, he, he had he had one of the best. I felt like didn't he have one of the best grades from PFF under blitz pressure? I feel like he did. I don't know. But I think what he I, did. I, yeah, I don't know where PFF's grading put him at, but what I know is he's the springiest pocket mover in the class, in my opinion. And so I can I can get him working under pressure and, and, and buying time with work because of how quick his feet are. And he's so good throwing yeah, bad right. arm angles yes, and correct. with no base that if I just, you know, if, if uh, you run wide zone offense with him, you give him wide surfaces, blitz are going to be coming from way outside D gap and, and wider. He's going to have time to see him and he's so he's quick like a bunny. Right. Uh, and so to yeah. me, he's going to be successful there. Uh, so there's, there's a lot to like, there's a ton to hang your hat on. Uh, I would describe Wilson as a higher floor player than, Justin Fields, then Trey Lance, a higher floor than everybody but Trevor Lawrence. I don't think the ceiling is as high as people talk about. That's why he's below the Lawrence Fields ceiling for me, and he's quarterback three. No, and I think that that a lot of that makes sense. And and you know, hearing you say that, it, it has me bring up a good point: is that when you get beyond Lawrence, and even with Lawrence, there are guys in this class that, of course. They're not perfect players. They all feel like they have little things that they have to work on. But like you said, with, with Zach Wilson, the things that you would want him to work on is really attacking the middle of the field more. And I, I definitely agree with you there. But the confidence I have in how well he's able to attack the sidelines, some of the most difficult throws in the game, the things that he could do when, when pressure's in his face, how he can manipulate throws off of crazy platforms. I mean, I have so much faith in that as a baseline that, look, if you... If you just give him the right teacher, I feel like he's absolutely going to be able to play better in structure and when you try to purposefully, schematically, and conceptually attack the middle of the field. So that's why all of those intangibles of really really playing outside of structure and, and being able to deal with things when it's almost worst-case scenario, that's what I loved so much about Wilson. And so certainly, I, I wouldn't tell you that Wilson's arm is, is better than Fields, although certainly I do love the zip that Wilson can right, put on those passes from I'm looking down the field to the ball is out. Like, right. And, and not else. only is like the ball is out, like the ball is now hitting the wide receiver's hands. I mean, like, I yep. feel like that is very quick. Now there's no doubt. I think that, that it, he does not throw as hot of a deep ball as I think the other guys do. But the more I watch it and I'll tell you what, Ben, that was an early critique I had of him. Before I really sat down to to watch and grade Zach Wilson, I watched him live, and I remember thinking, I don't love this guy's arm. I think that the, the balls die on him. And the more I watched, the more I was like, okay, I don't, I'm not as worried about that as I thought I would. It's not as glaring like, mm, I'm worried about this here. I'm really not. He doesn't have the arm the other guys do with distance, but I don't think it's that limiting to him. So that's why I'm. I think that we're just prioritizing his what might be his deficiencies a little bit more and less as our main difference with how we're evaluating. Although, of course, you are valuing Justin Fields a little bit more. So I think that that's how we got to the order of our guys here. You talked about Trey Lance a little bit there, and I want to move on to Trey Lance. You talked about him as you were gushing over him with a lot of praise. So let's talk about him here. What do you like? I, he's, he's the best player in the entire world, and I would die for him. Okay, these uh, are okay. One of those statements might be true. <laughs> um, I'm. Uh, it's so difficult. Uh, it breaks my heart. because uh, I watch his film, and I want to take him before Fields and before Wilson. I want to take him before everybody. Uh, he 
has command over protections at the age of 19 as a freshman starter and he threw no picks uh, the 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 anybody who calls Trey Lance raw I want to physically fight because he's not it's it'd be, it's a very easy trap to fall into he's a 19 year old freshman at the FCS level there's no way a player would get to this low of a level and then only have this much experience and not be raw. He's got to be raw. He he just isn't. Raw implies that he is all traits and there's been no development. There's been no cooking. There's no chef has stepped into the kitchen with this piece of meat, if that's how we want to continue this analogy, but with this guy and done work to bring him to a final finish stage. Uh, I don't know. You know, he only started taking private quarterback coaching this past year with Quincy Avery. Like he, any film we've seen of him, he has no private quarterback coaching. And you'll see that there'll be times where he goes to, to you know, take his drop. And you're like, that's weird footwork. Like, why are you doing that? And then the next drive, he won't do it at all. And then he'll do it again two games later and it'll be different. And then a, a third game, he'll do something else. And it's like, all right, th- he needs polish. He needs reps, but he is not raw. Because, again, Raw implies that he is not ready. And to watch him step up to the line and identify blitzing players and throw hot behind them, uh, to watch him step up to the line and audible and check out of a pass into a run based off a box count, to watch him, uh, you know, read rotating safeties and throw them wrong backside to go through his progressions. And then for all of that, to be able to be mature enough to say, I'm going to tuck this ball in rungs. I think I'm in danger of taking a sack or throwing a pick. He's not raw. He's not. He he makes such conscientious, risk averse decisions that for him to be his age and his talent level against such a dearth, such a difference between his talent level and the players around him, for him not to just throw a nine ball every single rep and be like, I can win doing this, is obnoxious. It's so good. It's so stinking good, Trev. And then when he talks and runs, he looks like Colin Kaepernick. Oh, my God, he's good. I like like Trey Lance. I think that he's very good. I think the top 10 talk is warranted. I I mean, I don't really think he's raw. That's that's not something that, that I wrote down about him. I think that he commands the pocket really nicely. He's clearly the most talented player at the division that, or at the level of, 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 co- of competition that he's playing at. So that's what you love to see. I, I think that when you talk about players who have played at lower levels, the first thing that you have to be able to identify is, are they head and shoulders above everybody else? And I do think that that's the case with Trey Lance. The biggest issue for me, and you know, the, the quarterback coaching point is an important one because we talked about these other guys needing to get better in certain areas. The biggest issue for me and why I don't seem to be as gung-ho about Trey Lance as I am with as some other people, clearly you as well as you're very excited about him. Hello. I worry about the accuracy. Like, I, I worry no. about the natural accuracy right now and especially touch passes. Like, that was an area that I did not think he displayed much consistency at at all. And in the NFL, I, look, I, I know he had no turnovers, but he had plenty of throws that could have been picked off. Now, of course, even if you give him four or five picks. I don't give a damn. You know, that's that's 28 touchdowns and, and four interceptions. That's still phenomenal. So I, I don't care that the number is zero. And I hope other people out there also don't care that the number is zero. You can subtract and add three interceptions to 
like everybody's stat line every single year. It's just a matter of luck. A lot of times interceptions have to do with how the ball bounces or what happens here or there in a split second that uh, ends up with it either in the defender's hands or on the ground. And so I don't care that the number is zero. I was worried more about the throw-to-throw consistency the placement wasn't exactly where it needed to be. Sometimes, yes, it got to the guy's hand, but he could have either led the player better, had a better had better ball placement on it. The touch passes when floating things over to shorter and intermediate routes. I mean, I, I just I did not see that very much from the success of that from from the games that I watched of Trey Lance. And so that was the big worry about me. He's a Mack truck when he's in the open field. He gives, gives you great mobility as a plus. He throws the best rainbow deep ball in the class, no doubt about it. You love what you have with the intangibles as well. You love how he managed the pocket pre-snap and I'd say post-snap even when he was just an 18 and 19-year-old. And so all those things you love, you know he's young, you know he could grow into something more. But right now the biggest issue for me is accuracy. And when you don't have the correct accuracy, it worries me because you know as well as I do. If you select a quarterback, I know nothing. Yeah. Okay. When you select when, when you select a quarterback high, I'll I'll even say just top fifty in general. People clamor for you. If the starter in front of you, if you're not the starter already at the beginning of the year, if they start to struggle at all. They romanticize the crap out of you. They talk about multiple Super Bowls that you'll lead them to. They want you in the game no matter what immediately. And I'd be worried about Trey Lance's accuracy. Not how he sees the field. Not how he sees NFL defenses. Getting the ball exactly where it needs to go. Hitting a football in a football-sized window as the game gets better. As the competition improves. As the speed gets up. That's what worries me the most about Trey Lance. Everything else, awesome. I've loved, you've used thumb in the opposite pocket and football in a football sized window. I feel infringed upon these. The, how dare these are great idioms. I'm putting these in my bank and using these. I love it. <laughs> I also, I also got on the NCAA's uh, decision committee. Don't forget about that. Yes, you did. It's been got, a good podcast. Got on the uh, asses. So a little sneak preview for the kids. Uh, 2021 contextualized quarterbacking data. Lance has equivalent, uh, you know, comparable accuracy and placement scores for me as such players as Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold. So he has been. <laughs> he, I, Sam got there, got in the end. Sam Darnold. <laughs> uh, but Donald here mattering in terms of uh, her. So her Hurts not a, a round one quarterback, he's round two. Uh, but he's an interesting guy just because obviously he's the, the dual threat ability as well. But quarterbacks who have made it in the first round, who have not been considered the most accurate players when they came out, Lance has an equivalent profile to them, right, in, in my metrics. Which is to say that his level of accuracy, while it is clearly the, the fourth of the four we've talked about and is the f- fifth of the five when we talk about Mac Jones, is no lower than the level of accuracy of other quarterbacks that have gone around one over whom, you know, we, we got over the issue with those guys. So to me, it's like, he's not the most accurate passer. He's not fields, but he has a very acceptable level. Is it a, is it a bigger problem? Cause he's at the FCS level. I really don't think so. I think accuracy is accuracy regardless of level. We talk about tight windows and processing speed. But so to me, like acknowledging that he has, not the best accuracy of the class. I think that the there's an easy trap to fall into, which is that this class is so stinking accurate that 
watching Lance comparatively can make him feel like his sure. issues are debilitating when they're, in my opinion, they're not. And it's not to say just what you're doing. I'm just saying that that's an interesting thing that I, I, a sensation I have when I was watching film. Yeah, absolutely not in any way saying that it's debilitating. It's just it kind of going towards the where would you place these guys? Like Lawrence, Wilson, and Fields, I would draft in the top five. Like I think those are top five quarterbacks. Lance, I feel like, is a mid-first-round quarterback, depending on what your quarterback situation is as well, because you'd probably want him to sit a little bit. You don't want him to be your week one starter. So I feel like he's a mid-first-round guy. And then the last guy that we're talking about here, I think Mac Jones would be a top-50 quarterback, and I'd be plenty comfortable with that. If you wanted to draft Mac Jones at the end of the first round, Like I'm totally cool with that. That's obviously not the world we live in. You know, if you don't have a quarterback on your team, you're going to overpay the crap out of whoever you possibly can to get a guy who you believe can even just be a starter for you. So it doesn't exist like that. That's in a vacuum. That's a perfect world. But that's kind of where I see Trey Lance. I don't see the the accuracy as debilitating, but I do think that it clearly puts him behind the guys who are in the top three, in my opinion. Right. That's fair. Right. I've got him four as well because you got to be responsible. Well, let's talk. Let's talk Mac. Max, the last guy that, well, we'll mention some of the other players. We're just running out of time on this podcast. I wanted to make sure that we got to everybody. So let's talk about Mac Jones. I like Mac Jones. So do I. I'm afraid who knows it. So do I. You, okay, so you, you said you'd be comfortable taking him top 50. Yeah. Yeah. He has a grade off of film for me that's good enough for him to be taken round one. It's not a round one grade, but it's consistent with grades of giving guys like Donald and Hertz who have then gone on to be where Hertz wasn't around one pick, but like Donald was around one pick. Uh, it's better than the grade. I gave Haskins who ended up around one pick better than Jones who ended up around one pick. Uh, he's good. Ball goes where Mac Jones wants it to go. Yep. Uh, Mac Jones got really, really good pocket footwork, uh, three step hitch, uh, five step, uh, you know, two hitches, that pump fake, baby. My man's been watching some Ben Roethlisberger film. Mm, little shoulder. Woo. Like he's, he, 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 he he's got legit quarterback, skills yeah no doubt i i use the word skills because if i use the word traits it sounds like athletic things and that's not where my boy mccorkle is locking it down uh mac is a is a again like he suffers a little bit from the lance accuracy relative measure sensation he's a perfectly acceptable athlete at quarterback up against these other guys in this class (laughs) he doesn't look too quick uh, but he's 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 fine uh what you see in Mac is a lot. Uh, 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 it's a very common sensation. Like uh, it's something that we usually deal with a lot more every year. Uh, and for some reason, we're not doing this year with Mac, which is when he gets put under pressure, the process is, is, is tough to execute. Uh, he's got a good process. He's willing to find his check down. He's willing to escape the pocket, but he has bad at passes. Uh, he takes uh, uh, hits in the pocket. He struggles to escape the pocket. He's not as quick and he's not as big. Uh, the He doesn't have explosiveness. He doesn't have a ton of accuracy on the move. He doesn't have the arm talent off platform. A lot of people like to be like, oh, what does Mac Jones not have that Joe Burrow had last year? Last year? It throw off platform. Burrow could create like a, a, a like you couldn't believe, right? For a guy, it, it was with his physical tools. You're like, all right, this guy isn't 
unbelievably quick. He's not unbelievably strong. He doesn't have an amazing arm. And yet, he's out here anticipating pressure like you wouldn't believe and then throwing off of one foot 40 yards down the field on a dime. Mac does not have this. And so it limits what Mac can bring to your team. And this obviously brings us to the San Francisco conversation. And would they want that guy or do they want someone who can offer more when, when the system is broken and the scheme has been defeated? Uh, the this This conversation of like, He's really, really good when it's clean and then under pressure really starts to be debilitating or like, you know, when uh, he's forced off his first read, there's a steep drop off. It's a conversation we've had with guys like uh, Drew Locke, who is obviously much more traitsy. Uh, we've had it with like Mason Rudolph, who's a, a third round pick. And here's Mac and he's potentially going to go top 10. Is his field vision? decision-making and accuracy that good that it warrants that steep of investment? It is not. It's great. It's really, really good. But it's it's not, it, it can't overcome those issues which we've seen cripple college quarterbacks entering the pros. Yet for some reason, we're just not doing it this year. I don't know why. I don't know why leagues are like, no, it's fine this year that there's a quarterback who when he's under pressure cannot bring much to the table. But we're just gonna, we're just gonna, this, we've learned nothing. We're just gonna roll with this. I don't know why. Uh, and and uh, I'm not sure what that means from where Mac ends up and 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 his scheme usage and his fit, but it's it's worrisome because I mean we've already seen the Bengals apparently talk themselves out of investing in the offensive line with Burrow and and they're living in empty protection and they need to be able to protect Burrow. If Mac goes to Carolina at eight, that offensive line is not right now right ready to uphold, to support a quarterback like Mac Jones. Right. And Mac cannot, physically cannot, be good enough to beat that. He just doesn't have it. That just That's a limited player. And so this is, it, the Mac Jones conversation should not be difficult. Like, oh, Tua and this offense and this and RPOs and everything. Like, we're making it more complicated than it has to be. We've seen this this model before. Right. We've seen how it impacts a player. We should be cognizant of that. And and it seems like we're, we're forgetting it this year. I think that the narrative has blown too far on one side with Mac Jones. Because... Well, I mean, it's it 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 blew too far the other side because it, it was it was forced too far on the good side. When we were told that Mac Jones could be a potential first round pick, that was one thing. When we told that he he might be a a mid first round pick, okay, that's another. When we were told that the Niners might have traded up to number three overall for Mac Jones, that created an imbalance that had made everybody just absolutely panic. So now every time right. you bring up the name Mac Jones, I mean, I I I've done this because I do so many different live mock draft shows with different guests and everything that a lot of you guys are on, and I appreciate that for getting involved with the chat and watching and everything. Thanks for inviting me. When shut up, you're going to be on there on Sunday. Oops, sorry, I spoiled it. Um, I was very angry. <laughs> when we talk about Mac Jones, Ben, if I if I gave if if I had Mac Jones going number three overall, people would lose their minds. If I had Mac Jones going number eight overall, people would lose their minds. If I had people if if I had him going 12, 15, 19, 20, people are losing their minds because they just don't they straight up just don't want this guy. And I'm like, whoa, about, whoa, okay. Look, what about 14. I mean, why would they just draft Kirk Cousins to sit behind Kirk Cousins? Um, what about six? I'm just going to keep naming picks until you choose one that people wouldn't lose their minds at. So, like, it, that's, that's kind of where we are is that people would just assume, like, they're like, wow, just don't draft Mac Jones. He's terrible. He's not. It's just, 
Do you want to invest franchise material into him? No, probably not. Because what I view Mac Jones is, is I view him as an NFL starter. I think that Mac Jones can be a good QB. I think he could be a a decently long-term starter for a team. And I think that you could build a good offense around him. I think that he could win you football games. I think he could compete for playoff spots. And, you know, I think he could maybe win a game or two in the playoffs. I really do think that all of those things are possible when I watch what Mac Jones is able to do at Alabama. How well he threw that deep ball. How pinpoint accurate he was 30, 40, sometimes 50 yards down the field. Field, all of these things, how he threw with the anticipation, how he could move around the pocket, how nice his footwork was, all of that makes me think that this could be a, a decently long-term starter in the NFL. Now, is he a guy that you're ever going to want to invest the whole franchise around? That's where I don't think so, and that's why he's clearly below these other four guys in this class. But the thing about Mac Jones for me is everybody talks about the weapons, right? They go, oh, you know, what do you, what ha- what happens when you take the weapons away? Like, what happens when he's not throwing to John Mechie and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell? I'll tell you what matters more for Mac Jones is the offensive line. That matters a lot more than the weapons he has. So when you're projecting where Mac Jones could go and succeed in the NFL, don't look at the best receiving cords in the league. Now, of course, good receivers. That doesn't hurt. Never hurts. But offensive line matters a lot for Mac Jones because what do you like the most about him? You like how accurate, how in stride, how confident he was throwing that deep ball. Okay, well, what you need if you're Mac Jones then, and especially because he can't be mobile outside of the pocket, is you need a somewhat vertical offense that has offensive linemen to know how to block for more than three seconds. That's what you have to have. The, the, the offense has to be built around that. He has to be able to navigate that pocket, stand tall in it, wait for receivers to get open deep down the field and create separation, and then you can get the most out of what we love to see from Mac Jones. That's more difficult to do. When you talk about the other four quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, they can, can they can succeed with less. Not just on a play-by-play basis, but also to on a roster and depth chart basis. They can succeed with less. I think Mac Jones is a good quarterback. I really do. I think that he could be a back end of the first round talent, early second round talent, wherever he ends up going is probably, I guess, going to be a lot higher right. than that. I don't know. But that's the way I view him. He will be a starter in the NFL, and he will be fine. But I can under, I can understand why fans don't want to draft fine in the top five. But I think we are going a little bit too far on the other side and saying, wow, Mac Jones is trash. I'd never want him. He's not going to be that. And I think that he could be a starter in the NFL. Right. I, that that being said, I don't fault teams who are like, or fault fans who are like, hey, if this guy's going to end up as Kirk Cousins... I don't want to be stuck with. Of of course not. I, yeah, yeah. I I I get that, and I don't know. I guess I I just look at a situation where say like the Washington football team, right? And they're picking at nineteen. If Washington, put I think Mac, they're a great team to take him. If pick if if they picked Mac Jones at nineteen, like I don't want to hear it. Like I I just don't want to hear it. You have no quarterback right now. You need a quarterback. Go get him. It's not the worst thing in the world. Now, if you're talking about a team trading up, multiple assets to go up to get him, that's a little bit of a different conversation. But I, I just think that you know he he's going to go in the first round, and he's a good quarterback. He is. He's just not these other four guys. Yeah. I uh, if you take Mac, what you're admitting about your next few years is that you're you're hoping to get one good year, right? Like Vikings 2017, 2018 with Keenum, uh, Rams 2018 with Goff, Niners 2019 with Garoppolo. We're trying to just catch it. And those teams made it to the championship game, Super Bowl and Super Bowl, none of them held a trophy. At the end of the day, like you, having Mac Jones, it sounds really good in theory, but it may create a problem that you don't want to have to deal with when it's all said and done. And that problem is this guy's too good. 
to get us into the top five, but he's too bad to get us into the promised land, and we're stuck in quarterback purgatory. I think that's fair, but not everybody can just like tank mega hard, and I just don't think like it's not a reality. Right, Max going like, to get picked know, in the first round. Right, if you're Washington, it's a good offensive line. It, right. Well, it, it, yeah, it, it's getting better. It's a good offensive line. Uh, they got to figure out left tackle. Right. I was going to say, like, they could they could add a solid other piece, but other than that, yeah, it's good. Right. So you're we're 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 getting there. You know, Curtis Samuel and whatever his name is. Wow. Oh, the disrespect! Unbelievable. It just took me a second. Shut up. So, (laughs) just leaving Logan Thomas out of it like that. Unreal, dude. Oh, big up, Log. Uh, it's it's we're we're there, right? Like we we. Uh, they would be a team. They're the team to me. Washington is where if they took Mac Jones, I'd be like, oh, I can dig it. Right. What about the Steelers? What if they did it? I mean, they lost Matt Filer, they lost Alejandro Villanueva, and they lost Marquise Pouncey. Yeah, but obviously Mac's not starting this year, so I think that they have about a year and a half ish to upgrade the offensive line. Could I don't love it off of first brush, but I don't really love anything that. Steelers have done in a while so it's kind of you know like I, I think the team's on the downtrend and if they take in Mac Jones it'll be an indication that they don't think they're on the downtrend and that will concern me you see what I'm saying what if the Colts just didn't trade for Carson Wentz I was going to say like this is the sort of like <laughs> let's hang it at at you know 20 or wherever they are and just take uh you know Mac Jones and where the Colts were terrified of doing anything ambitious at all and like that would work but they instead did something ambitious and added Carson Wentz. So that's Saints, where they're going. Saints behind one of the best offensive lines of football? Sure. Uh, that's going to kind of be the, right, it's going to be the discovery process for uh, the Jameis Winston offense versus I, the Drew Brees offense. And, I don't and, think it happens, by the way. Obviously, like, the Colts aren't going to draft Mac Jones, and I don't think that I don't think the Saints would either. I'm just talking about situations that I would kind of like for them. Yeah, I think that... I would like that a lot for the Saints because I think it gives you I think you you do your your thing with uh, uh, Jameis and see if you can make an offense out of that style. Right. It's a completely different style of quarterbacking. And if not, well, let's see if we can make Mac Jones into a Drew Brees style of starter, which is Teddy Bridgewater point and shoot, execute what I put out on the field sort of a guy that's so that Saints. Yes. But we're, we're talking about things we'd like to see. We're not going to get to see any of these things, unfortunately. Everybody wants to tank hard and get the number one overall pick, but only one team gets it every year. So I don't know, man. You just gotta you gotta accept it. You can't prove that with math. No, I actually can. One on one. Is there anybody else that you quick want to mention before we get out of here? Which is definitely not fair of a quarterback evaluation, but uh, I I guess I'll say on my evaluation of Kyle Trask I think Kyle Trask is fine I think he's a potential spot starter in the NFL but it's a short-term starter pass I don't think he's a long-term starter I don't think he has the arm for it I love his touch passes he throws with touch and anticipation better than a lot of QBs in this class even the top guys but I don't think the velocity or the distance is there for him he just does not have the arm he's not bobble at all whatsoever I think he's a career backup. Like he could have a long-term career in the NFL if he wanted to. I just don't see a starter out of him. Uh, right. I kind of like if Kyle's spot starting for you, you know, good luck. Right. I hope that is short-term. I uh, right. I think the Mason Rudolph comp is appropriate. Uh, I think that that that's about where he's going to get drafted. That's about who he's going to be. Uh, I'm very happy. You know, just 
Not not in a, in a rude way at all, but like you remember during the season when it was like that. And where's Kyle Trask among the top quarterbacks? And it was always like I don't know. But I'm very glad that like through the process, it's kind of been you know figured out and settled in. Like all right, this is not like you know Trask isn't one of these guys because that like it just means like we're understanding his value appropriately. Buddy, um, let me tell you, let me tell you how many Florida fans were mad at me when I tweeted a couple of days ago a clip of Kyle Trask that I liked. It was a complimentary clip of him, but I said I don't see him as a starter in the NFL. Lord, my mentions were crazy, and it is funny because it was a lot of people who don't realize I graduated from UF and it was like people calling me just like, Oh, like the doubting more Gator quarterbacks or all this stuff. Oh, he'll just have to prove you wrong. Like he proves everybody else. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? I rooted for him every Saturday. <laughs> like, like, I was just like, praying during that Alabama game. Um, yeah, I, uh, uh, people get hype about Davis mills. The Stanford guy's got 11 career starts. Uh, and, and sometimes you're like, Oh, he's seeing the field. And then other times you're like, Oh, he's, not I, I, he's not looking at anything uh his accuracy is all over the place mechanics are all over the place he's a total project uh it doesn't look like a project right he's not like big strong arm run around he's big but he's not strong arm run around um but he he has really nice accuracy flashes it's settling into uh consistent mechanics getting the, the regular starts that he needs and he's not going to get that in the leagues he's gonna be backup so mm-hmm. mills is a tough one uh i wouldn't touch mond with a 10-foot pole uh, wouldn't touch Jamie Newman with a 10-foot pole. It's a very thin quarterback class after the top tier. Uh, they aren't worth, they, I, I understand why they're enticing, but they aren't worth the risk. I just... I don't know about know. that. I mean, like... Mon's, Mon's arm can be, like, pretty, like, what in the... How did he do that right, at, at that time? Right, but Mon's been a starter for three years. Right, and he has... His accuracy is still an issue, which is a problem with him being such a long-term starter that it's not better than it is right now. But to be fair to him, it has gotten better every year. It's just still not where it would need to be. So, I mean, if you're drafting Kellen Mon in the fourth, fifth round, like, I'm okay with that. I'd be fine. I'd be fine with that draft pick. Yeah, I, I I wish you luck. I'm just not. I, I I'm. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I hope that goes well for you. It's just I, you. I would be. I'd be worried about that process. Ian Book. He was a fun college quarterback, but I watched him again, and this was this was definitely Ian Book's best year. And even this year, I was like, Nah, he's a college quarterback. He's he's just not an NFL quarterback. Yeah, That's all I got. I, uh, not is uh, he was you know whatever. I watched Sam Ellinger for CQ. Oh, nice. How was it? Yep. (laughs) That's podcast, everybody. Before we tell you uh, what we're doing uh, rest of the week and next week, got to tell you about bet online. The fast and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Uh, Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, NHL, MLB, it's all coming into full swing. Bet online even covers the award shows, the TV shows, reality TV. Real-time updated ons and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Head over to the website. Use your mobile device to sign up. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Tomorrow is Fan Friday. One question I know that we are absolutely going to get into because I've seen people talk about it on Twitter, and multiple people have already sent me in early questions regarding this exact topic 
of the Bengals picking Penny Sewell or Jamar Chase, and Lord, do I have thoughts on it, because you guys went to a place that I didn't think you were going to go to. So we're going to get to that and so much more. Y'all can ask your questions at Tampa Bay Trey, at Benjamin Solek on, uh, on Twitter, at Tampa Bay Trey as well on Instagram. I changed my handle so it's easier for you guys. Premium Slack. You can always fire off questions well, there. Well, rip Mountain Trevorist, I know, man. man. I know. Big rip. I'm, I'm doing this uh, all for the fans. It. Doing this all for, for the fans. The, the people. Ben and I are doing a live mock draft on Sunday night on camera. So you get to see our beautiful faces if you want to do that. We're doing that at 8 p.m. on Sunday. And then starting next week, we begin the journey of our guest mock draft series. We're going to have a team beat reporter, follower, expert, whatever it is, on the podcast with us. And every episode, we're going to go through at least two teams— Sometimes we might have to get three in there if we want to get it done before the draft, which we obviously do. But what we will do is we will start at number one overall with the draft order. We will have someone on who covers and knows the Jaguars really well. We will ask them about how free agency went, how they brought back their own guys, what they're still targeting, how the offseason was, and we will at the end have them make a pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then we will do it with the Jets, and then the Niners, all the way through the entire first round, having a different guest on for every team. Man, it's one of my favorite things that we do on this podcast. If you didn't listen to it last year, you're going to want to make sure that you listen to it this year. It's a lot of fun. That's a ton of stuff going on. We appreciate you guys listening, following all of it. Hopefully you're enjoying it. Until all then, you guys keep it locked right here on Lockdown NFL Draft.